20 minutes a day, 365 days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. What's going on, everybody? Happy Saturday. Welcome into another edition of the Pack a Day Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Herman. You can follow me on Twitter at Andy Herman NFL. Appreciate you joining me. It is officially Packers Patriots game day. Before we get there, before we get to our preview and what to watch, let's actually start off with some of the press conferences from Friday. We heard from Brian Gutekunst. We heard from Adam Stenovich, Rich Basashia, and Joe Barry. And there certainly were some pretty big takeaways from those press conferences. So let's start right there. The first one, I don't know if it's the biggest one, but maybe the most noteworthy is that Brian was directly asked by Matt Schneiderman about the potential of trading Bakhtiari and Goot shot that down aggressively and basically saying they are not going to trade David Bakhtiari. And you do always have to remember that GMs lie. Like it's part of their job description, basically. And if he would like to get more in a trade for a certain player, sometimes saying that that player is just, nope, there's no way he's available. There's there's no chance ever. Um, you know, sometimes they have to do that stuff, right? I don't think this is that. I think you know, if I were to guess, if I were to bet, I would say that Brian's telling the truth here. I'm not going to get into the whole Bakhtiari trade discussion. There are some reasons that it could make sense. There's some reasons certainly that it does not make sense. The other thing that I will, or the the thing that I'll add on to that though, is that you have to remember with Bakhtiari, the knee just clouds everything. What another team is going to be willing to trade for him because they don't know how much he's going to be able to play clouds everything. The fact that if he does get traded to another team, he's going to have to you know, pass a physical. And that probably is going to be problematic for whatever team is trading for him. It, the whole thing, it just gets very, very complicated, very, very fast. I, I tend to believe Goody on this one. I don't think Bakhtiari is going anywhere. And the aggressiveness in how Goody shut it down, I, I would say you could pretty much put in, in ink. And of course, everyone's tradable, right? If the New York Jets called tomorrow and said, hey, we'll give you Garrett Wilson. You know, we'll give you the first round pick for sure next year. We'll give you another two first round picks and we'll give you Makai Becton and whatever else you want in return. Of course, Brian's going to change his tune a little bit, right? Nobody's completely untradable. But we know the Jets aren't going to do that. And we know that it's just not a realistic possibility at this point. So Brian Gutekunst, or not Brian Gutekunst will be left tackle. David Bakhtiari will be left tackle uh, per Brian Gutekunst. And I think, again, you can pretty much put that one in stone. Number two, Jordan Love is playing tonight, Saturday uh, against the Patriots. This always should have been sort of expected, but when Matt LaFleur was asked about it early in the week, he was non-committal. I do think how the practices went this week was probably at least playing some part in that, meaning if Jordan and the ones just went out and completely tore things up for two days against the Patriots defense, maybe you feel better about it and are just like, you know what, we're okay. We're not going to risk an injury or anything like that. I don't. I just don't think that that was clearly what happened, and I think they need the reps. And it's not just Jordan; it's the offense as a whole, as is pretty much uh, you know was said in the press conferences as well. So they're going to get some time. As far as like how much time he ultimately gets, that's always going to be based off of feel. And Matt Lafleur has said just as much, where you know you're going to have a, a great feel for you know when it's time to take them out once the game gets going. Again, sort of what I mentioned last week as well. If they go two series, three series, and they go three and out you know, those first three series and can't get anything going, you're probably going to see him out there for a fourth series and try to go off on a a positive note in some capacity. Can you get a field goal drive? Can you get something going, right? 
And on the flip side, if Jordan goes out in the first two drives and leads two touchdown drives and it looks picture perfect, you probably get him out and say, job well done. Let's let's leave everything for another day and reevaluate next week if we if we want to play you in a, a final preseason game sort of thing, right? So it'll be based off of field, but he is going to play, which means the starters are going to play with him. Would still very much assume that Bakhtiari does not play. I just don't think you want to use any of those snaps up in a preseason game. And I think you're they're still going to feel comfortable with Yash Nyman and uh, Zach Tom uh, at the starting tackle position. So Love will play, starting offense will play, how long will remain to be seen and would not expect Bakhtiari to play with them. The third one, and maybe the biggest one, is that Devondre Campbell is not considered to be a long-term injury, which is huge news. He's obviously a key part of that defense. Remember, Matt Schneidman had reported that there was the scooter and the, you know, all of that stuff at, at Devondre's locker, and which gave, I think, you know, some concern and, you know, and rightfully so, but it, this is not going to be a long-term injury that it sounds like he's going to be ready to go for week one. And like I said, this is a, a major piece of Joe Barry's defense and that'll be huge that he's ready to go for that time frame. So uh, a little bit of concern the other day when we heard it originally that, that maybe this could be something more, but we got confirmation on Friday that that's not the case and he's going to be good to go sooner rather than later. Number four, one that I think people probably aren't going to be super pleased about and super excited about. Anders Carlson, I asked Brian Gudikins directly. I basically said, hey, you know, has there been any thought or discussion of bringing in competition for Anders? And obviously I'm not saying cut him or anything like that, just bring in another person. And he basically shot it down and said, no, there's there's no talk of that at this time. He wouldn't do that at this time. So Anders is going to be the kicker week one, and at least as of now, unless something drastic changes. They just the the tone from Brian Gutekunst and Rich Basaccia, they believe in him big time. You can tell they have a lot of faith in him and he's going to have to pay that off still eventually, but they're going to have a ton of patience with him. But it was very, very clear from both Rich Basaccia and from Brian Gutekunst that patience is going to be key and that they very much believe in him. And it would be very surprising at this point in time, just based on their comments, if Anders Carlson is not going to be the kicker week one. And, and again, you can pretty much glean that by the fact that there's no other kicker on the roster. And again, I asked Brian, are you going to bring one in? And he said, no. So that, that that's all you need to know at this point. Anders Carlson, unless something crazy happens, very, very likely to be your kicker week one. Number five, and I talked about this one uh, the other day a little bit as well, but Razul Douglas at safety. Joe Barry was asked about it and immediately gave a very dumbfounded look as to like, why are we even talking about Razul Douglas at safety and said, Razul is our starting corner. You could tell that one as well. You didn't have to read between the lines. Joe has no I, you know, belief of putting or no inkling of putting Razul Douglas at safety at any time soon. So Razul is going to be the starting corner. That's where he should be. That is where he is best at. I think you are robbing Peter to pay Paul to, you know, try to move him at any other position. We saw him at slot corner. It was not his position. He got like a cup of coffee at safety in a practice last year. Like, let's just stop trying to make this stuff happen because he is a very good outside corner. That is clearly what he is best at. And I think trying to do anything else with him at this point would be a misuse of Razul Douglas. So I'm very happy to hear that, to be honest. But based on Joe Barry's response, you can kind of put that one to rest as well. He is going to be the starter opposite Jair Alexander. I don't see that changing with Carrington Valentine or Eric Stokes or any other corner at this point. I think it's Razul and Jair, barring an injury, that those guys are going to be your starters throughout this upcoming season. Number six, 
Also asked Joe Barry, you know, about Devondre Campbell and specifically if he's going to be the, the player that's expected to call the plays this upcoming year uh, on the field. Remember one green dot helmet on the field and they are the ones that can call the plays. And he was non-committal on that. He, he said he wasn't sure yet. So they're still going through that. He said they have multiple players in practice wearing the green dot helmet. Obviously, there's no rules for practice. You can have as many players wearing the green dot as you want. And they've gone through different players making the calls on different days. I have seen Quay Walker calling plays, and he did some of that last year. Devondre has called plays. If you think like logically about players that could, right? I, I don't think it's going to be Jair. Razul like maybe could do it. It's it's odd for a corner to do it, but maybe he could, but I don't expect that to be the case either. It's probably going to be Devondre or Quay in all likelihood. You could theoretically use a Darnell Savage or whatever other safety ends up starting alongside of him as well. You want somebody that's going to be on the field every snap. And one of the reasons I think there could be some conversation as to why it might not be Devondre Campbell, so far when we've seen some of the dime looks for Green Bay, it has been Quay Walker on the field and not always Devondre Campbell. So if Quay is the dime linebacker, meaning there's only one linebacker on the field, if Quay's out there instead of Devondre in those situations, it could make more sense just to have Quay do it full time so that you don't have to, you know, switch back and forth with who's communicating. Like if all of a sudden, you know, Devondre goes out, it just, it makes things extremely complicated, right? So it, there could make some serious sense to have Quay do it if he is going to be the dime linebacker, because then he will be in basically every single play. But I think that'll remain to be seen and we'll see what they ultimately end up doing in the regular season. But as of now, Joe Barry non-committal for who's going to call the plays on the field. Also asked uh, Rich Basashia specifically if, you know, Keyshawn Nixon's increase in snaps on defense would affect his ability to play special teams. And he basically said yes, and but that it's for everyone. So that if anyone has gone from a non-starting role to a starting role, that it very much could affect how much they play special teams. How he made it sound was that it might limit them to like two special teams units rather than, you know, like all of them or something like that. I, how I kind of took it is that like, it basically like, let's say you're on defense, right? And you've just played, you know, a, a you know seven plays on defense. It may not make sense for you to be on the punt return team right after that, right? I, you, you could tell maybe like you could go out on kick return because now the offense is going to take over, you know, and, and and so on and so forth. So it sounded like there was like a balance there where like if you just played a ton of snaps on offense, you know, you might not be on the punt coverage team because you just played a bunch of snaps on offense, but you could be on, again, maybe the kick return team or whatever, right? So there, there's kind of like a balancing act there. So what I kind of gleaned from this, and I've been saying this, do not be surprised if Jaden Reed is your punt returner to start the season, because I do think Keyshawn Nixon is going to get that increase in playing time in the slot. And I think he's going to play a ton of defensive snaps. I actually think that Jaden Reed is a much cleaner catcher of the football from a punt return standpoint. Rich Passaccia basically said like Jaden Reed's kind of more of a technician as a returner and Keyshawn Nixon is more of a fly by the seat of your pants type of returner. And you can see that. You can see that Jaden Reed is a trained professional returner. Keyshawn Nixon is just good at it. Like you can tell like it's a little, it's not like to the book. It's not exactly how you're supposed to do it. He's a little bit just, it, it's a feel thing for him. And you can tell. And you can tell sometimes when Keyshawn Fields punts that it's a little bit of a hold on to your seat of your pants sort of thing because you don't know what's going to exactly happen. Now, as far as I can recall, I don't think Keyshawn has muffed anything yet. I don't think he's fumbled anything. I don't think, I think he's been really good. But like some of like, like there's been ones where he's like caught almost like over his head. Like it just, it doesn't always look the way that it's supposed to. 
Jaden constantly, like, it's so clean the way he does everything. And I think they're going to let Keyshawn be the all-pro returner that he is as a kick returner and then, you know, go out and play defense. I think they're going to let Jaden Reed have the opportunity to be the punt returner would be my guess. But we will see. But he did state that it could affect, you know, just how many units that he is on based on his defensive play and having an increase in snaps if that does come to fruition this upcoming year. Hello, friends. As many of you know, a few years back, the Milwaukee Bucks were in the NBA Finals, and I desperately wanted to go to Game 6 in Milwaukee to see them win the championship. As you can imagine, prices were insane, and I kept going back and forth with different apps to try and find the cheapest tickets possible. I finally found them, clicked purchase, and of course they were gone. Goodbye Game 6 of the NBA Finals. Now, thankfully, the day of the game I was able to find a ticket, but the entire thing was so expensive and way too stressful. I really wish I could have simply used Game Time to alleviate all of the stress and all of the hassle. I've started using Game Time app for purchasing all of my tickets, and I wish I would have done so sooner. From low prices to easy to find tickets to last minute ticket deals, the Game Time app is perfect for all of my ticket needs. Game Time is the place for last minute ticket deals. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and so much more. The game time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and roll for less, game time will credit you 110% of the difference. Snag the tickets without the stress with game time. Download the game time app, create an account, and use code PACKADAY for $20 off your first purchase. That's code P-A-C-K-A-D-A-Y. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code PACKADAY for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. And then last but not least, I did ask Adam Stenovich as well, said in a perfect world, and I know it's not that along the offensive line where you have to move people around, but in a perfect world, is there a best position for Zach Tom? Is there an ideal position for him? And Stenovich basically said, not basically, he said no. He said there's there's not a perfect position for him. He's like, he's basically like Elton Jenkins. He can be good everywhere. And that, that, I mean, that's awesome, right? Like that's exactly what you want to hear. I do think for me, just like watching him, I kind of like him better at tackle. I will also say you should trust Adam Stenovich more than me when it comes to offensive line play. You might know just a little bit more, but like either way, he's been really, really good. And he said, and of course we've talked about it here as well. They've practiced him at left guard. They've you know practiced him at center. They've practiced him primarily at right tackle, but he's been at right guard and left tackle in the past as well. So we'll see where he ultimately ends up. I think he's going to end up your starting day right tackle, but clearly they have no issue moving him around. And he is that versatile chess piece that they continue want to use, continually want to use as that versatile chess piece moving forward as well. So those are all the key takeaways from the coordinators and Brian Gutekunst on Friday. Now let's transition over to Packers Patriots. I'll go over my 12 things that I'm going to be watching for in this game. And I think if you want to, you know, kind of watch along along the way too, what we probably should all be looking at as we go into this. Of course, the the standings don't matter. The score doesn't matter. None of that stuff ultimately matters. It's it's the stuff on the field and the players and their evaluations that are going to really make the difference. But I think here are some things that you can watch for. The first is how does Green Bay bounce back from kind of a butt kicking on Thursday's practice? Patriots were better in every phase. They outclassed Green Bay. That's okay. Green Bay was better than them on Wednesday. That stuff happens. But this now does become a little bit of a rubber match. This does become a little bit more of a best out of three series. And this is the final. Green Bay is going to have home field advantage. And we're not talking a, a big playoff matchup here. But the intensity on the field on Thursday, I'm sure some of that is going to carry over. 
And I'm sure, you know, these guys are going to want to get the best of the other side after seeing them in practice a couple days and after both teams won one of the practices. So I do think there's going to be some intensity out there. And after coming off a a bit of a butt whooping, I want to see how Green Bay responds. And like I said, it wasn't just the starters, wasn't just offense, wasn't just defense. It was all phases. And now I want to see, can, can Green Bay get, push that behind them, improve from what they made mistakes on, you know, on, on Thursday's practice and go out and, and really try to beat up on New England from a, a team that beat up on them a little bit previously. So that's what I want to see. How do they bounce back? And can they bring it to New England with the intensity and the energy that New England brought it to them in Thursday's practice? Number two, goes without saying, but I'll say it anyway, is Jordan Love. As I talked about, he is going to play. He is going to start. How long does he play? And what do we see from him? I thought in his first preseason game, played pretty darn well, missed the throw to Musgrave, a little bit of a screen pass issue, no harm, no foul overall, but I thought that this was, uh, you know, this will be another opportunity to really see, you know, can he, can he improve week to week? Can he be better against the Patriots than he was against the Bengals? Can he hit some of those throws that maybe he missed specifically, uh, you know, the crosser to Musgrave? Can he continue to improve as a downfield passer? Those are going to be the things to keep an eye on, but whatever he does, good, bad, or ugly, it's going to be, again, put under the microscope and we're going to glean a lot from, you know, just where he's at as a quarterback. So not, not the, you know, be all end all for who he is as a quarterback, but I do think any sort of evaluation that we can get from Jordan at this point is going to be big. And this is another opportunity to show, you know, what he's capable of as a passer and as Green Bay's number one quarterback. So that'll clearly and obviously be something that everyone's keeping an eye on, but it's worth saying anyway. Number three is the number six wide receiver battle. Now, if you listen to my 53-man roster projection, I think they're going to keep, I think they should keep seven. If they will, will remain to be seen. They did keep seven last year going into the regular season and on their initial 53. I think Grant DuBose and Malik Heath are both very, very much worth keeping. And I would not release any, either of the two and subject, you know, subject them to waivers. You have five guys that are better, that are going to make the roster. Let's just put it that way, right? Watson, Dobbs, Jaden Reed, Samori Toure, and Dontavian Wicks are not going anywhere. And you might say like maybe Dontavian Wicks is in this battle. He was a fifth round pick. He's looked really clean. Like he's looked really uh, dynamic as a route runner. Clean's the wrong word because he has some things he needs to clean up from it, but he's a dynamic route runner and he is an intense blocker. He's not going anywhere. Lock him in right now. Wicks is making the team. So that comes if they just keep six, then it's Dubose versus Malik Heath. Again, I think they keep seven, but we don't know. And maybe they need that roster spot somewhere else, right? So it could very well come down to those two. They've both been really impressive. Dubose obviously less so just because he's had less time. He's only had a couple weeks here. This could be his first preseason game and an opportunity to showcase himself. So really want to see what those two wide receivers do in this game. And especially with Bo Melton out with the hamstring injury, assuming he doesn't play, he didn't practice this week, uh, that's going to be even a bigger opportunity for those two players. Number four is the number three running back position. And I think the same thing applies here, right? There's some clear injuries that are going to give Patrick Taylor and Emmanuel Wilson a massive opportunity because this probably would have been a pretty significant split between Patrick Taylor, Emmanuel Wilson, Lou Nichols, and Tyler Goodson. I do not expect either Lou Nichols or Tyler Goodson to play in this game. They did not practice all week. It didn't seem like Nichols is close. It seems maybe like Goodson's getting closer. Either way, would not expect either to play. So that is a massive, massive opportunity for Patrick Taylor and Emmanuel Wilson. I do think we're going to see a little bit of Aaron Jones. I think we'll see a decent amount of AJ Dillon, but then it's going to be almost all Patrick Taylor and Emmanuel Wilson. And I think that's going to be, like I said, a massive opportunity for both of those backs that they probably both end up getting, I don't know, like at least double the snaps that they would have if everyone was healthy. So big opportunity for both of them. 
Number five is Demario Douglas and Kayshawn Booty, the two young, really talented wide receivers for New England, hopefully getting matched up against Carrington Valentine. I would expect Valentine to potentially start in this game. We'll see if we get any Jair Alexander. If there is, then even better opportunity for Valentine to probably play against Douglas and Booty. But I do think that Valentine is going to play a little bit more, and you're going to see Douglas and Booty probably with some pretty significant action in this game as well. And that is going to make for a very fun matchup, whoever it is across from Valentine. Valentine's been fantastic. Both of those two wide receivers have been outstanding in Patriots camp. So those should be some really, really fun matchups for players that should see the field this year for both respective teams. So Demario Douglas, Keyshawn Booty, Keyshawn Booty uh, versus Carrington Valentine. Watch for that matchup on the outside. Another one that I'm excited to see is Keon White. And I think he did maybe have a little bit of an injury this week. So we'll see if he goes, but if he does go, uh, Keon White versus Rashid Walker and Yash Nyman. I would expect Nyman and Rashid Walker to play a huge chunk of this game at tackle. You do have Kadeem Telford as well, uh, but you know once you're started, you're not going to get Bakhtiari. And then Yash and Zach Tom probably start. Tom probably doesn't, you know, isn't going to probably play a ton outside of what the starters. And if he does, you might see him play some center to get him some more reps there. I would expect a ton of Rashid Walker and Yash Nyman in this game. And I think Keon White's, again, assuming he's healthy, should get a pretty big dose of, of both of those tackles. So that could be a really fun matchup. Even if White doesn't play, this should be another really huge opportunity for Rashid Walker in general. As I mentioned, he should play a massive chunk of this game. In fact, he was the player who played the most on offense in week one. Wouldn't shock me if that was the case again in week two. Number seven is Christian Gonzalez, the Patriots' number one uh, or first round pick, I should say, in, in, in their starting corner against Green Bay's young wide receivers. Wouldn't shock me if Gonzalez played at least a half in this game. I think you're going to see Romeo Dobbs, Christian Watson clearly with the starters, but then you could see even after that, right? Malik Heath, Grant DuBose, Jaden Reed, you know, um, Samori Toure, like all those guys. And I think those are really fun young wide receivers going against a first round pick, super talented young corner. So who's ever out there, and if even if it is the starters and Dobbs and, and Watson, or if it's any of the next guys, the, the younger players, all, all of them are going to be really fun matchups. And Gonzalez versus those super young, super talented wide receivers should be a ton of fun. Number eight on my list is simply Josiah DeGuara. I've talked about it all week, going back to my 53 roster projection and then really talking about it with the two practices this week as well. I haven't seen enough from Josiah DeGuara. I haven't seen enough that I can even say that he should have a 53-man roster spot at this point. I think he will. I think he's going to make it, but I just need to see more. And if he's in there at all in any capacity, whether it's at fullback, H-back, tight end, special teams, he's got to start making some noise. He's got to like do something. Like You need to add value to this team if you really want that 53-man roster spot. And if not, if you're not going to be a, a legitimate tight end, then you probably need to go in a different direction in that room. And if it's just fullback flat up, I'm not so sure that Henry Pearson's not the better fullback than DeGuara. I, I just need to see something. I still have hopes for DeGuara. I hope he can become something. I just haven't seen it. And I would love to see it. I would, I, I, instead of them cutting him, I would rather he just play extremely well. That seems way better. So I hope he can do something. But right now, um, I, I think he needs a game. And even if it's just for confidence, like I, I think he could use a little bit of a boost. Try to get him involved, maybe a tight end screen. They used that tight end screen against Detroit a couple years ago when Love got in the game. He took it, what, like 60, 70 yards for a touchdown. Maybe something to just get that guy, you know, jump started a little bit. So he's another one I'm gonna really be keeping an eye on. Number nine, I wanna see a step from uh, Lucas Van Ness, first round pick, right? 
Haven't seen a ton so far. You can tell he's thinking out there. You can tell he's trying to put together a pass rush plan, figuring out a way to the quarterback, and it's been slow going. There's no two ways about it. And I'm a little bit surprised based on how he looked in OTAs and minicamps. He looked explosive. He looked powerful. I just didn't know, like, with that, with, with his skill set, period, like, I don't know. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't have expected that it would have taken this long for him to, to, to kind of get out of the gates, but here we are. It has been the case. So now it's like, can we see some incremental steps in the right direction from LVN? I still have the highest of hopes for this player long-term. Could take a little bit longer than maybe initially expected. We've seen this before with Rashawn Gary. There's no reason to panic whatsoever at this point. He's in a really great spot where he can, you know, learn some things behind Preston Smith and Rashawn Gary and Kingsley and Igbari, et cetera, maybe even Justin Hollins. But I would like to see him take some steps in the right direction. He's too talented not to. And so hopefully we can see some of that in this game. How about some late round guys uh, or late game guys to keep an eye on, I should say. We get to that point always, you know, eight minutes left in the fourth quarter, and it's a bunch of guys that, you know, you're you're not used to seeing. Four guys I'll have you keep an eye on. Kadeem Telfort, the offensive tackle. He's going to see some significant playing time. No Luke Tenuta. I would not expect Caleb Jones to play in this game either, which means, you know, once once Yash and Zach Tom and, you know, Bakhtiari is not going to play, but once Yash and, and Zach Tom are out, you're probably looking at Rashid Walker and Kadeem Telfort as your two tackles for the rest of the game. So he's going to get a ton of playing time. He's a he's a guy to keep an eye on late in the fourth quarter. Austin Allen, the tight end, they got to play somebody at that spot. And I guess, you know, maybe they could go with the, the wide receiver turn tight end, uh, Dre Miller. I, I think Austin Allen's going to get a big chunk of playing time. Keep an eye on him in special teams as well as at tight end. He could be in the game pretty late as well. William Hooper, the corner, had a really nice week last week. Certainly very much in the discussion for a practice squad spot. That number, what, five, six corner spot, depending on where it's at, is very much up for grabs after Carrington Valentine, right? Even if even if Stokes comes back in time for the start of the season, you're looking at Jair, Razul, Valentine, Stokes, and then, you know, things start getting, and obviously Nixon, sorry. And then things start getting a little bit more interesting if you do keep six. Shamar Jean-Charles, probably the leader in the clubhouse right now. You know, Corey Ballantyne is out injured at the moment. If all of a sudden one of these guys like a William Hooper has a really nice, you know, remainder of camp in preseason, not impossible for him to get in the 53-man roster conversation. So keep an eye on William Hooper. Like I said, he had a really nice week a week ago. And then Tariq Carpenter at inside linebacker, making that switch from safety to linebacker. Should get a little bit more playing time this week as well. Excited to see what he can do with that. So Telford, Austin Allen, William Hooper, and Tariq Carpenter, some late names to keep, some names to keep an eye on late in the game. Last two, number 11, the safety battle. That should continue to ongo. Uh, and, and we'll see what ultimately ends up being the case with who gets the starting spot and who wins the backup spots. Very much expect, you know, Darnell Savage probably to be one of those the starters. And then the other three really fighting for that number two spot between Rudy Ford, uh, Jonathan Owens, and Tavarius Moore. Uh, then I also expect, you know, I think there's a really good chance that Anthony Johnson Jr. makes the team as well. So one of these guys could be going from potential starter to not even making the team. Dallin Levitt in that conversation as well for like, does he make the team? I think he does as a special teams player, but anything at safety that any of these guys can do, good, bad, or ugly is going to be a huge difference maker and whether they're a starter or maybe not even on the team period. So big day for the safeties. Last but not least, Anders Carlson. He's going to get some opportunities, you would think, in this game, whether via extra point or field goal. He needs to make the most of it. Hopefully, we can see a positive step for Anders Carlson as well. Prediction, 
Patriots 23, Packers 16. Should be a close one. Should be a good one. I think Bailey Zappi playing almost the entirety of this game, uh, you know, after Mac Jones gives the Patriots a slight advantage in this one. But I think it should be entertaining overall. It's at Lambeau. And we saw Green Bay play a pretty darn impressive game against Cincinnati last week. So hopefully that can continue. Green Bay has a ton of young talent that they're going to have in this game at all times. So Green Bay certainly should be in it. Score doesn't matter. Result doesn't matter. More, you know, interested and intrigued by the actual play on the field. But I'll say Patriots 23, Packers 16. That's going to do it for me today. Thank you so much for joining me. I'll be right back here tomorrow to break it all down. But until next time, and as always, go Paco.